Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. My friends are gone and my hair is grey I ache in the places where I used to play And I'm crazy for love But I'm not coming on I'm just paying my rent every day In the Tower of Song Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast when you like for the next six to eight weeks. Now, our guest, while our guest is settling herself in, we will make an announcement, believe it or not. Next Wednesday, the 8th of March, is International Women's Day. I've banned myself from the studio on that day. And the Empress herself, the right, her right Royal Highness, Her Majesty, Dale Bridge, will be presenting the program. Good afternoon, Dale. Good afternoon, Joe. Yeah, oh, look at that. The guest gets a glass of water because yeah. they've been running around. Yeah, in the hot there, day. There are, there are nice people in 3CR. I'm not one of them. <laughs> Obviously. So, Dale, are you looking forward to your guest next week? Very much so. Are you going to do as much research as I do? Just even more. Even more. (laughs) (laughs) What's nothing multiplied by 100? (laughs) No, no. See, see, now now we'll just let our guest relax. She's been running in the hot sun, hopefully not catching public transport, but (laughs) we will introduce her in a minute. Are you relaxed and ready? I'm relaxed and ready. Whoa! Okay. (laughs) That's the best offer I've had all day. Yeah. Our guest is Alison Fawn. Hello, everybody. Everybody. Hello, listeners. Hello, a... Joe. Hello, Dale. Hello, Dale. Well, well Dale's basically here to keep me under control, and she, if I get abusive, she'll jump over and mm. throw me out. <laughs> but uh, if she falls asleep, don't worry. It just means that we're just two old people nattering on. Okay. <laughs> It's never happened yet. Now, we had one of your friends here a few weeks ago, and she may have warned you there's only two questions. I know, two questions, and I haven't bought a big pile of notes. That is a notebook, isn't it? It is a notebook, You're not going to open empty. it, oh, Good, good, yeah. <laughs> Look, I do no research. I don't even know who the guest is till I walk in. <laughs> and Juliet told me about two minutes ago, and she told me you were running late, which obviously you're not. But it shows how dedicated you are that you would actually ring ahead just in case Dale and I panicked. Now, the first question is, what year were you born? I was born in 1959. 59, veritable youngster, a youngster, mm. 59. That's just, just to orientate our listeners because we all come from different periods and our attitudes can be moulded by the periods we come from, obviously. And the second question, which you've got 55 minutes to answer, you, do you play a musical instrument? That's not the second question. No, I don't. Do you sing? <laughs> No, I don't sing. I did um, briefly play the recorder as right, a youngster, right, but right. I don't have one. No, no. no. The reason I asked is that uh, we have no ads, <laughs> we have no interruptions, but if you do play a musical instrument or sing, we do allow you to do that. But if you don't, you're stuffed, basically. <laughs> All right, what's the earliest thing you remember, Alison? 
It was really hard mm. to actually sort through that question to work out what came when. But mm. like I thought I would just share um, one very early memory. Uh, I'm a 10-pound pom. I was born in England and uh, there was all this hype when I was a toddler about this new children's show that was coming Hype, 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 new show on television. And um, I was getting all excited about it. The new show that was coming was Doctor Who. Oh, yes. Doctor Who. Now, um, I sat down to watch Doctor Who like I think I would have been like two and a half, three Mm -hmm, years mm -hmm, old. mm -hmm. And I was terrified. I mean, this was just the most ridiculous advertising I'd ever come across, marketing Doctor Who as being a children's show. And, like, I remember hiding behind the green couch in absolute terror at the Daleks. Yes, but but, but, but Alison was the beginning of the swinging 60s, so, you know, you'd expect people to be a bit strange in those days. (laughs) Doctor Who for children, fair enough, you know. Let them experience it. Yeah. So, so was, that, was that here or in the land or in the land uh, of the no, old art? No, that was um, back in England. Back so in England. Um, I um, migrated in, uh, um, I arrived on the 1st of January 1966. So, doing a math, blah, 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 blah. So you'd been seven. No, actually, it was the 1st of January 65. So you'd been six. Six, I was six. Six, six. So, what are your memories of your, the first six years in England? Well, it, like it's really, it's a hodgepodge of things. I was born in Hull, um, which is in Yorkshire. And, you know, there are just these random images. Like I remember the house where we lived, which was a, a semi-detached bungalow. Um, I remember Guy Fawkes Night. I, Tell us about Guy Fawkes Night. Well, Guy Fawkes Night, um, there was a... Uh, a a big house um, in Hornsey, which mm. was the the little town where I lived, where they um, had a big bonfire and pea and ham soup and Catherine wheels and mm. the whole mm. traditional thing. You know, like that was something that I remember. But you remember odd things. I remember a, a little toad that lived in the rockery. Mm-hmm. I remember... Um, Tra- like travelling to nursery school in the back of Mr Beckworth's taxi, you know, Miss, like a, yeah. you know, just this, you know, like you a random. You went to nursery school in a taxi. That well, it was. How did um, that happen? It, it, well, well it was your the, parents got rid of you. Just put you in a taxi and sent you off. <laughs> I, like I don't it, like exactly know what it was, but it was the public transport mm. Um, mm. arrangement that right. this taxi um, ca- like came and. Picked up a whole bunch of kids and these yeah, pull yeah. down seats and right, you, you know took us off to and all those good things. Well, it was pre <laughs> pre definitely yeah. pre seat belts. Just, yeah, yeah, it was yeah but just a mm-hmm. like a, a like a hodgepodge mm-hmm. of you know things I mm-hmm. remember. You know, nothing really that coherent. Right, and were your parents are your parents still alive? Um, yes. Oh, they live here in Australia, or yes, mm, they may be listening. Ah, uh, they may. All right. What were they like? Well, um, 
I um, I, like I don't have a close relationship with my father Mm -hmm. who um, lives in Queensland. I don't think. I understand. um, I understand. We were both born in Queensland, Dale and I, and that's why we're here. So we understand. An Englishman going to Queensland—that's a worry. Well, like I, I I don't think he'll be um, listening. My. my mum and my dad got divorced when I was in my teens. Right. Um, I have a, a fabulous um, relationship with my mum. She lives down in South Gippsland in the wonderful community of Menian. And yes, I, I know highly recommend a, mm. um, a visit to yeah. Menian. My mum is involved in everything there, the art gallery and the Menian Hall and the community shop and president of the bowling club. Mm. and mm. Do they yeah. do barefoot bowling? I don't, I don't, don't know. know. Like, no. I don't you know, haven't but, gone down there to do barefoot bowling. But no. <laughs> no. No, but like I, I love my regular trips down to no. Menian and have um, no. a really fabulous relationship with my mother who I think I probably got many of my traits well, from. Well, she sounds like a live wire and she'd be, what, in her 80s now, wouldn't she? No. No? No, she's not. Oh. She's 78. 78. My apologies, mm. yeah. Mrs. Full. Now, how come you came to Australia? As a little six-year-old, what did they tell you? Well, I mean, there were lots of poms coming from England to Australia at that time and it, it like it really was the the economic circumstances in England and um, Australia um, was going out of its way to uh, try and attract um, the migrant labor that it, mm. it wanted you were the right color which helped. well <laughs> yes the the 10 pound poms mm. so the 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 British working class um, brought to mm. Australia. So my, my parents paid £10 each, but my mother has told me that I'm actually not to call myself a, a £10 pom because kids didn't cost anything. No, it's, you know, <laughs> it's like going to a fast food place, yeah. you know. Kids eat three. Yeah. So you would have caught the ship, wouldn't you? Yes. Oh, tell us about that. That would have been exciting for a six-year-old. Yeah, like really interesting. Um, Went to school on the ship. It was the the Fair Star. Mm -hmm. Um, And like in those days, it... um, it wasn't the the fun ship. It was the you know the the migrant ship. Um, but things I really remember um, were uh, crossing the equator. There was a like a big celebration for for that, and I um, definitely remember arriving in. Fremantle. Did you stop at Colombo? Because everybody has memories. Of no, no, no we didn't. We came through the Suez Canal. Suez Canal, right? So you know, right. I have the memories of of Aden mm-hmm. and um, lots of like little boats around um, trying to sell, sell things mm. to to mm. people on the ship. Uh, but that was the way we came through the Suez Canal, and then. The next thing I really remember is stopping in Fremantle, and mm. it was it was hot. Mm. Have you got any brothers and sisters? Uh, yes. So I was travelling with one sister younger than me. One sister younger than you. Mm. What? Well, you're the four of you in the same cabin. Yes. I assume. Yeah. Yes. And was she a nuisance in that on the trip? Um. Well, she got seasick. <laughs> she, oh. 
Because it takes two months, didn't it, at least? Oh, it, it took a long time. time. Yeah, mm. have a seasick little sister. Mm. Mm. Uh, not pleasant. Mm. So you get to Fremantle. Did you get off the ship? We did. We mm. got off the ship. We we walked around there and the heat, <laughs> the flies, <laughs> and um, uh, older 3CR listeners will remember what was done in the the 60s to keep flies out, those mm-hmm. plastic um, strips yep, that yep. were hung over the doors, fly, nice. fly yeah, waffers, yeah, waffers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, I remember, like, walking into, a like, a shop through those and they seemed really <laughs> greasy and, yeah, you know, like yeah, we kind of yeah. thought... And did you have oh, a little congealed... Uh, Flies on the strips yeah. all over the place. Oh, that was, was nice. You yeah. know, like it was sort of, yeah. oh my goodness, you, you know, like what, like what have we done? So, <laughs> did your mother turn to your father and say, What have you done? I have no memory of that. Could have been the beginning of that divorce, could it? <laughs> I don't think there's any relationship. All right, so where did you end up? Um, I, um, like our family, um, ended up in Mulgrave when we first arrived. Um, we like lived with my grandparents uh, in. What Cl- they were here already. They were here already, oh. so uh, we lived with them for a year in North Clayton. So uh, like a big extended family. So my aunt, our family, my grandparents, mm. Mm. and uh, we then got a house on the A.V. Jennings estate in Mulgrave. We were pioneers. Very nice. I was living Mm. out there before Mm. they actually built VFL Park Mm. and I used to go tadpoling in the the ponds where yeah. VFL Park was later You, you were built. living the dream. Living the you dream. You were living the dream. You had a bathroom. <laughs> yes. We did indeed. Yeah, and maybe even two toilets in the A.V. Jennings three-bedroom home. Sorry, no, only one. Only yeah. one. Oh, well. <laughs> Red tiled roof? No. 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 Well, no. corrugated iron. No, it was sort of a creamy brick. Creamy brick. Creamy right. brick. And you had the front and backyard. Front and backyard. Did yes. You, did your parents know what to do with the front and backyard? Oh, we had a nectarine tree. Uh huh. Very yeah. nice. Mm. That was it. Mm. Yeah, that's the trouble for you migrants, isn't it? <laughs> I remember we had vegetables and you had a nectarine tree. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. So you went to primary school at Mulgrave. Yes. And what was that like? Oh. Pretty ordinary, really. No teachers you can remember that moulded you? No, no, no nothing. Just, just no, 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 nothing that really no. um, stuck out. Mm. I um, went to Springvale North Primary School for uh, a while and that was quite a long walk until they built Monash mm. Primary yep. School, you know, the thing of being a very mm. new estate. But the thing that stuck in my mind was... Uh, reflecting back now it wasn't particularly culturally diverse about half the class were 10 pound poms mm, mm, you have to put you somewhere mm. uh, you, you raised a very interesting question there you walked to school mm-hmm. something kids don't do today mm-hmm. do they you, mm. what, how long did you walk a kilometer two kilometers to spring yeah well like it it, mm. it would have been because i was living down near wellington road right, and Springvale yep. north primary school that's was on was on yeah. the princess yeah. highway yeah, um, yeah so i yeah. walked yeah, and you, you never fought a sick 
second thought about no. it, or a little, little pack on your back, or did you yeah. have a little, little case? No, um, what I had is I actually had a leather satchel. Oh, very nice. Um, and this was one of the things my um, mum was pat- particularly strict um, mm-hmm. about standard. It was standards. It was years before I got a pair of thongs. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, she yeah, she didn't yeah. think much of those at all. So nah, nah. I had nice sandals and long socks and a gabardine raincoat. Very nice. And when, like every other kid, mm-hmm. had um, mm-hmm. one of those those school bags, sort of a, a zippered sort of vinyl bag mm. um, with a, a plane, a picture of a plane <sighs> on it or something like that. Like I had a leather satchel. Oh, that's nice. Mm. Very nice. I'm very impressed. Mm. You, didn't, you didn't get – I think this is a boy thing, but did you get the lecture of wearing clean underpants in case you got run over on the way to school? <laughs> no. <laughs> I that's mi- the lecture I used to get. No, I missed out on that one, Joe. <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking, I think now – well, you know, if you got run over, that'll be the least of your problems. <laughs> <laughs> so, where did you go to secondary college? Um, I went to Monash High School. Aha. Uh-huh. And what, um, what was that? Sixty six, sixty seven, uh, or a bit earlier? No, I I did my um, final year in um, no, I did my final year in seventy six. So it was so the seventies by then. Yeah, so I was there from seventy one. Yeah. Um, to seventy six, and what was that like as a school? Ah, well, um, it 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 was a very interesting school. I remember some of the things that really stick in my mind uh, was the dismissal of the Whitlam government and mm. like my teachers going on strike. Uh, in my last few years at high school. There were a very um, – it, it was very culturally diverse because a lot of overseas students from Malaysia came and did um, Form 5 and Form 6 mm-hmm. in order to then try and go on to Monash University. That was kind of the the plan. So, like, very ethnically diverse. Um I remember teacher shortages were a big thing at that time. Mm. I my I was taught maths by a French teacher because there was a a shortage of maths teachers. Mm. And I remember there was a raging debate uh, about how to teach English. And every year you'd get a different English teacher with a different philosophy. And like it played havoc. So some would really believe in grammar and would have a textbook. Um, but there were other ones. I remember an English teacher who would just play classical music and tell us to write. So it was the time. Syllabus didn't matter. Yeah. It's individual choice. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit like this program, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know individual choice. So, did you excel at anything at high school apart from making trouble? Oh, I didn't make any trouble, no trouble at high at all. school. You just, just no, fit in nicely. No, no, it like was like only later in life I began mm. um, making trouble. Mm. Um, like I excelled at history. I loved um, history. I did in VCE European history. 1400 to 1600. Oh, very I, useful. Very oh, useful. yes, absolutely. I I loved geography. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Any teachers left an impact on you, a mark on you? 
Um, not one that I would specially <laughs> talk about, no. Say not in a positive fashion. How about uh, anti-Vietnam War issues when you started? Were they an issue in the school? They, they were, um, but at that point, like in my school years, I had a passion for history, but I didn't, um, like I didn't really have a, a, a social conscience. It was only in my late teens that I developed that. So I remember that that was kind of going on mm. around me, but it, it wasn't something that I was yeah. particularly engaged in. So it was just in. you and your sister and your parents? Um, oh, no, there were more brothers and sisters after How many? I came to Australia, another brother and uh-huh. another yeah. sister. So, right. I, like, I often reflect my, my youngest sister is 12 years younger than me and we both did um, a BA and a dip head at La Trobe Uni. We both went on to become teachers but just 12 years apart and our experience was so different. I went to La Trobe, paid $50 student union fees and no other fees at all. She ended up with a whacking great hex debt. I finished, got a a permanent teaching job straight away. It it took her years on short-term contracts before she got a a permanent teacher position. And that's just 12 years difference. And the tragedy is all those, most of those people who enjoyed the good life like I did, forgot. And they're the ones who introduced all these changes. Mm. But going back to you, so you obviously graduated, you went to La Trobe. Yes. Why La Trobe? Monash is just down the road. Well, um, my as, as I'd mentioned, my parents had got divorced mm. um, and my mum um, had remarried um, a wonderful man who, you know, was really um, very special in my life. And What was uh, his name? Uh, John Van Warmel. So he's died. No, he died last year. And um, my mum and John like moved off to McLeod. All the family moved off to to McLeod, and I spent uh, the last six months of Year Twelve living with my grandparents and finishing things off there. So Mm -hmm. I actually chose La Trobe because, uh, like all the family, was living in McLeod. Yeah, so La Trobe in, was it 77? 77, yes. It was really a little bit of a live wire, wasn't it? Not like, not like today. It did like it was. It was. And um, I was really excited to see the show on 7.30 report last week about um, Barry York and Brian Polar. You know, that was mm. just um, before my time. But there was still the institutional memory of that at La Trobe, but it was uh, the gay liberation movement that really, that that got me in and that got me radicalised and that gave me the social conscience. This, so is, that this was at La Trobe? At La Trobe, yes. So when did you become involved? Well, um, I became involved in my second year at uni and it's a, a very... Funny story. Um, I had uh, a wonderful relationship um, with a woman called Lisa, which lasted nine months. And um, 
when that ended, I was moping around looking for another person just like Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> and um, somebody suggested to me I should join the Army Reserve. Whoa, that's pretty. Yes. Yeah. So well, that was like that well, was. Lisa the, a bit athletic. Was well, she? Uh, but know? anyway, that well, was right. that, 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 that was a suggestion. <laughs> right. Like, like go join the, the army. army the reserve, army you'll meet reserve, a like-minded women. Yeah. I'll meet like lots of nice women. Yes. Um, <laughs> and um, like I, I went to actually enlist, right. and um, the great news is <laughs> that. I actually had a problem with my thyroid. It was overactive. Uh, active, ah. And so um, I had some thyroid surgery that was due to be scheduled. And so um, they delayed basically enlisting me. And in the intervening period in my, my quest looking for love, mm. um, I discovered La Trobe University Gay Society and... Gay Liberation, which at that time um, was very much influenced by Marxist ideas, and um, I, like I tell you, I never look back. It was duck, a, duck to water, was it? It was a right, life, right. a life changing experience. So that's seventy seven, seventy eight, seventy eight. Yeah, yeah, and it was really. Well, were you made welcome? Oh, or did you have to? Bash your way into no, like like I was made welcome. Well, you just, was, tell us about the first first your first meeting. What, uh, what happened? Did you just walk in or? Oh yes, you know, like it was really, mm. you know, like very very welcoming, very very open, mm. very, open very encouraging. Um, a lot of young gay men and young lesbians, um, and a lot of really good discussion. The sort of questions that we wanted to know was why are gay men and lesbians oppressed mm-hmm. you know that that you know like really was um did you feel oppressed a, a huge well i like i was you know like by then um starting to because um i yeah like i, I realized that my relationships were looked at differently and I was starting to experience homophobia. Mm. So, I, like, I began asking the question, why are gay men and lesbians oppressed? And um, that really got me to seeing the link between homophobia and women's oppression and the institution of the family. So then I began asking, well, heck, why are women oppressed? Mm. Um, and th- like that got me to studying um, early pre-private property societies that were communal and matriarchal and sexuality was free. And uh, like I um, was put on this track and exposed to these ideas by Marxists in gay liberation. And I like I learnt that, it was that patriarchy arose alongside private property in the state. And, you know, like here I am decades later and still, still a Marxist. Yeah, well, that, that's a disease, but we won't go into that. I'm, I'm a very pleasant interviewer normally. Um, so how long did you last at university for? Oh, I did my um, full 
three year Four, three years, arts yeah. degree, uh-huh. um, and then I did um, a dip ed. I had mm. a. Um, Why did you go into dip ed? Because obviously, well, you're I asking had all a, these questions. You could have done. No, I had a teaching studentship. Oh, right. Um, so, so tell I was, us what that meant. What meant that meant for you well, personally? Okay. Well, what it meant for me personally was that uh, I could go to uni. Like I was the first person ever in my family ever to go to university. In fact, um, yeah. The, the the first for sure, and it was because of that studentship that I had uh, an income coming in. So you weren't living at home now, or you'd moved. No, off, no? like I I moved. I mm. was. Uh, so that gave you that financial independence. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I was living mm. in Fitzroy yeah. and. Oh. Um, not in Gertrude Street. Not in Gertrude Street. No, I lived in <laughs> Scotch Mare Street. No, I lived in George Street. <laughs> ah, it's even worse. And I and and I lived in Kerr Street. I oh. I used to live in the house next to the Evelyn Hotel in oh. Kerr Street. Oh. You played there, haven't you? Dale? <laughs> yeah, several yeah, times. Dale's a bit of a well, she's a very talented a bit of a muso. Yeah, so she's played everywhere in Fitzroy, I think. So, um, so what was your first school? That you went to teach at? Oh, that I went to teach at. Um, well, on my teaching rounds, mm-hmm. um, I did two rounds at Pasco Val yep. Girls High School. My first ever lesson, which I shudder um, <laughs> as somebody um, who is passionate about um, Indigenous issues and recognises, you know, mm. that we live on stolen land, mm. was about... John Pascoe Faulkner. Nice. That bloke. was the curriculum, yeah. Yeah. you know, that yeah. I, I it had Pascoe to. Pascoe Vale. Well, there we go. <laughs> so two rounds at Pascoe Vale Girls, and then I um, did a round um, at Coburg Tech, mm-hmm. and um, my first teaching position was at Glenroy Tech. And how, why Tech? Just where I got posted. Just where you got posted. Because that 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 was the thing with a, a studentship. Uh, the education department paid working class people while they were at uni, but in return you were what was called bonded. Um, you you had to go like anywhere the education like department years, wanted years, to or... send you. I think it was three actually. Three and you, you did you finished your bond? Yeah. And what did you do then? Um, oh well, I taught, taught at Glenroy. Then I, I um, worked as a um, I worked in the regional office um, for a period and that was after having a, a run-in with um, Darren Hinch and... Excuse um, me, Alison, just, just go back a minute. So, I mean, you, I'm, I'm feeling a bit sick, but how... What, did you meet him in the street and punch him? No. What happened? <laughs> no, no, no. Senator Hinch, sorry. No. Senator, what did you do to Senator no, Hinch? No, nothing like that, but just, just... Briefly, because you know, like we could do like a whole, no, no, a whole briefly, hour yeah. on yeah. that story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll bring you back. And I, do it now. I like I was the vice president of the Gay Legal Rights Coalition. Mm-hmm. I um, did uh, some media work on the radio, um, and uh, Darren Hinch um, found out I was a, a teacher. <gasps> Um, gay teacher. And, you know, and we ended up having... Shame! Well... Yeah. Shame! Yes, we ended up having <laughs> having mass hysteria. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was moved from a teaching position where I yes. worked at the yeah, regional yeah. office, right. um, not allowed to teach, and mm. fought 
um, a very big battle um, through um, the equal opportunity. What years was this? Um, this was um, 1983 to 1986, so it was a three-year battle. And um, back in the day, there was no protection for gay men and lesbians in human rights, equal opportunity legislation. It was unlawful to discriminate on the grounds of sex, um, but one of the things that was also um, unlawful to discriminate against people was on the grounds of private life, uh, um, private life. Mm -hmm. And the definition of private life included lawful political beliefs and activities. And so what was interesting was that you could be discriminated against for being a lesbian or gay man and a teacher, Mm. but to be an out, proud, radical gay liberationist was a lawful political belief and activity. And so, I, like, I actually won that case and well, was... Where was that case uh, held? What was, what it was at the, in the um, Equal Opportunity, Opportunity right. yeah. So won, won that case and ended up um, being reinstated to a teaching position and that set a precedent mm. which was critically important to later um, winning... Uh, coverage for gay men and lesbians in equal opportunity So during this period, were you politically active? Um, yes, I, I was. My, um, I, my, my first political party that I joined uh, was in 1979. Um, I joined the International Socialists. I was a member for 16 months, but I ended up leaving because I am a Marxist feminist and my feminism is very important. And um, I also found, as I learnt more about the politics of that organisation, that there were other things I disagreed with. But I learnt some really useful things. And one of the really useful things that I learnt is we're not um, going to get liberation under capitalism it like it made me into a particular kind of socialist a revolutionary socialist and the other thing that I learned was that you can't do it on your own Um, and so it um, it, like it made me um, look around until I found uh, organizations where I did have the political agreement. Mm. Look, it's uh, 4.35. This is Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Dale Bridge is doing all the technical bits and pieces to ensure that uh, you can listen to our special guest, Alison Fawn, Fawn on, on Radical Australian. Alison, every guest is special, so don't... Don't think I've just called you special because you're special. Okay, every guest is special. Yeah, it's you've not got to be special. You've got to be special to be in this studio. So uh, while you're having that lovely drink of water and a break, so what happened after IS? Well, I spent. <laughs> this is in, this is embarrassing. I um, well, you don't have to tell at, us. Well, no, like I will tell people because right. I think people might learn something <laughs> from it. Working um, at Glenroy Tech, mm-hmm. um, I worked with um, Kim Carr, now you, Senator. You're going to tell me you joined the ALP? I 
I am going to tell you that. I worked with um, Steve Herbert, mm. um, recently um, mm. departed State Minister. Mm. Um, the, the, so how long was, were you in this organisation, I, I Basically, <laughs> like I ended up um, joining the ALP, mm. um, being convinced by my workmates that I could really make a difference mm. and change it. Well, mm. like you, I very quickly you were going to change the ALP. Yeah, that was that that, that was that's ha- all right. That's that, okay. that was that was how it was. It was it was sold right. to me. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, like in the the early eighties, um, there was quite a push at that time yep. to try and recruit. Um, leftists to join the Labor Party to stop the four right-wing unions yeah, from yeah. affiliating. and mm. um, But uh, I, I realised that uh, this was not the organisation for me and I kept looking. And it was interesting because it was, again, through my involvement in the gay liberation movement that I um, was given some documents Lesbianism, a socialist feminist perspective, the Radical Women Manifesto, um, some copies of the Freedom Socialist newspaper, um, and I began um, corresponding with uh, the Freedom Socialist Party and Radical Women in the United States. So what year was this? Um, this was in 1982. 82, right. And um, in late 1982, I, I went to the United States to find out more, joined um, both organisations. So what's the difference, just for people clarifying people's mm. minds, what's the difference between the two organisations? Okay. Um, Radical Women... Um, is a socialist feminist mass women's organisation. Mm-hmm. It's uh, an autonomous um, women's organisation. The Freedom Socialist Party is uh, a revolutionary vanguard party. It's uh, open to people of all genders, women, men, trans, like all mm-hmm. all genders. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the two organisations have a sister relationship, um, but they're completely separate, autonomous organisations. Is one more direct action and the other one's more parliamentary or not? No, no. no. Um, the Freedom Socialist Party is um, a vanguard party yep. in the tradition of Lenin, mm-hmm. um, whereas um, radical women's are like a mass movement Organization. Could you describe what a vanguard party is to people? Okay. Um, a, a, a vanguard party is a, um, a political party that is bringing um, together um, the most committed and politically advanced in the working class. Um, when I say politically advanced, I mean class conscious um, around a specific program to get out there and be um, providing um, leadership in all of the struggles. So the Bolsheviks are the classic example of a vanguard party, um, that things were... This year, of course, is the 100th anniversary of the Russian Revolution, that things were flipping and flopping around between the February Revolution and the October Revolution. The October Revolution, where... Um, the Bolsheviks took power 
is not something that would have happened um, without the leadership um, coming from a vanguard party. So that's what that idea is. why the two words freedom socialist? Um, (laughs) If you're a vanguard party, you know, why the two words freedom socialist? Is it because you're a a non-authoritarian vanguard party in comparison to the Bolsheviks or...? Ah, well, the, um, like, why we're called the Freedom Socialist Party, there was actually a a party called the the Freedom Democratic Party in the US at that time, and so so I think that that was... was, was I think that that was, Mm. like, part of um, where the the name came from, Um, but... uh, I don't believe that any vanguard party is authoritarian. What a vanguard party is, is it's what's called democratic and centralist. And the two things go together, the democracy and the centralism. This is something that's um, maybe not that well um, understood, but the highest decision-making body in a vanguard party um, is the membership. Um, It's... We, we we make decisions together, mm-hmm. but then once we've made decisions, we snap into action and carry those mm-hmm. decisions And I was out. thinking because you used the word freedom socialist, it was mm. to differentiate yourself from the more authoritarian Marxist trends. Well, we are Marxists. We're, um, we're Marxists, we're Trotskyists, we're Leninists, but what is unique about the Freedom Socialist Party um, is we are revolutionary feminists. And that was the thing that attracted me to the Freedom Socialist Party because the Freedom Socialist Party is a party that looks to the leadership of the most oppressed that traditionally um, there is a view amongst many Marxists that the vanguard, the leadership, will come from straight white male blue-collar workers, um, whereas we uh, see leadership coming from very different places. We have within the Freedom Socialist Party uh, a Comrades of Colour caucus to um, be um, b- building leadership of people so of colour. So people of a common interest in your party have got the capacity and the right to form their own organisation within the organisation. To, to, to caucus, yes. Yeah, yeah, caucus. All right, so you went to the US, you were ducking water, you came back to little old Australia, so what did you do? Well, um, organised a meeting at Organ- the Plumbers Union on Victoria Street. What is the Freedom Socialist Party? And uh, began organising. And what year was this? Uh, this was 1983. 83, right. Mm. Was there much interest? Well, there was. Mm-hmm. There was, and um, you know, a lot of interest, a lot of uh, curiosity, and um, we're we're here, we're bigger, we've oh, that's, you that's know, we've grown. Now, now, we've now, now, now let's get mark. back to eighty three. Let's get back to eighty three. You're organised, although you've got the example of the Freedom mm. Socialist Party in the states. You've come back to Melbourne mm. with this idea. Mm. You think it's a an organisation you need to create. Mm. In Australia, mm. okay, that's, that's that's not an easy task. Mm. Okay, fine, you've grown and all that, but how did you go about forming the party? Well, the first thing I stopped using the term 
I Mm -hmm. and I started using the term we. We. And uh, using the term we, that was very important. First you use the term, then you actually become we. So uh, what was important was uh, promoting our ideas, having discussions um, around our ideas. Mm. We had uh, study groups, uh, were involved in uh, a variety of mass struggles. We Any be- particular ones that you can remember? Oh, uh, there are... One that maybe had a significant one, impact. One that yeah. ha- I think one that had the largest impact uh the Freedom Socialist Party was part of um, uh, CAN, Campaign Against the the Nazis, which was a united front which drove uh, a Nazi bookshop out of Faulkner. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, one of the very many campaigns uh, that we've been involved in. Uh, another one very significant for decades... Uh, we were involved in defending the uh, fertility control clinic and taking on the far-right anti-abortion bigots. And um, since the mid-'80s, we've been involved in leading campaigns to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody, which is something that our party is still very Mm. passionately involved in and committed to Mm. today. So how is the party structured um, how we are structured is we have uh, formal membership. The highest uh, decision-making body um, is the members. We have um, regular branch meetings. Uh, the members um, elect people to take on um, certain responsibilities. So is it, is it more of a delegation than representation? or? Uh, I don't really understand the, the difference oh, of what you're saying. Well, when you're a delegate, you've got a specific task to carry out. So like a delegate on yeah. a workplace, representative, you basically get a signed blank check to make decisions oh, for a particular no, period of I time. I mean, basically, my, my mm. role in the Freedom mm. Socialist Party is I'm the Melbourne branch organiser. Mm. So my job is I'm accountable um, to the membership to make sure mm. um, that the decisions that we make are, are carried out. Right, so you're more of a delegate than a representative. Oh, yeah, if or, you want to describe whatever. it that way. Well, you know, it's, it's important yeah. difference. But going back to, and how do you make your decisions about regarding what issues you'll take on? Do you have a Congress or do you or you leave it up to an executive? Or? Uh, well, um, internationally we have uh, regular conventions we had a convention last September and uh, we have a, a pre-convention mm-hmm. discussion period where we, we write and we, we debate and uh, that convention basically set priorities. Some of the work that the Freedom Socialist Party is doing as part of Campaign Against Racism and Fascism mm-hmm. flows from the priorities that we adopted and our analysis of the period that we're in. We're in a period that is increasingly uh, polarised and uh, things, could, you know, things could go anyway. 
and um, it's very, very important that we we get out and take on the far right and mm-hmm. pose a real alternative. So in going back to your teaching, how long did you teach for? Um, I taught until uh, 1996 um, and then um, I became a public servant. A public servant. Mm, yes. In what? Uh, well, I'm not going to talk about All right. that no, on the you radio. Are still, you are still a public servant? I am. All right, I am. Fine. I, I what, I ca- what I can say is that I'm a, a workplace delegate right. with the commu- – that's where I am a delegate with yes. the community and public, public sector yeah. union mm-hmm. um, and I'm right. very actively involved there. And you're quite happy doing that type of work? I Yeah, yeah. it's it, – yeah, I am. Oh, that's good. No, no, no. We're, I mean, like all work, I think mm. involves um, compromises. Mm. Mm. We like we live in a, a capitalist society, and I'm very clear. I I, I say to my workmates that uh, I I work to live. I don't live to work. And it was one of the things that was very interesting when I was mm. a teacher that uh, some of my colleagues really saw. Um, their teaching as a vocation and the way they made a difference in the world, mm. whereas um, I see my work, which I'm committed to do as good a job as I can when I'm at work, as my work and um, my commitment um, is to be a socialist feminist and to be out there fighting to create a better mm. future, the kind of future we all deserve. How about your own life outside of work and politics? Do you have any interests? Um, I do. Um, <laughs> I actually am um, a bird watcher, ah, a, a twitcher, a twitcher, a twitcher. Yes, yes. So, um, so you're a bird hide expert. I, I like, <laughs> and I love. Um, taking photos mm-hmm. uh, of birds. So anyone who's a, a Facebook friend with me will get to see photos of demos and photos so of what's birds. So what's your Facebook uh, uh, oh, I'm tw- just, handle? I'm, I'm just Alison Thorne. That's it. That's so, yeah, all they've got to put that's up. That's it. And, and there, that, you there know, they are. No, yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it. Lots yeah, of yeah. photos. But I'm, I'm hoping, I'm planning a holiday um, later in the year where I'm wanting to drive from Catherine to Broome because I'm keen to see uh, Gouldian finches Ooh, in, in the, the wild. wild. Yeah. Yes, so that's um, my little hobby. Right, and what, what little apparatus do you take with you in the field? Oh, Apart from your camera, do you have binoculars yeah, and all yeah, that stuff? Yeah, binoculars and a bird right. book. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like these days you can actually get um, an app with v- various <laughs> bird sounds and things on it. All right. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. I've only got a bird book. <laughs> It, it is nice being in a hide, isn't it? It's quite mm, relaxing. It yeah, is. Yeah, I assume you've been to the one at Seaford, the one down there. Mm, yeah. yeah, the Edithvale Wetlands. Edithvale Wetlands, mm. yeah. So what what got you interested in birds? Mm. What, is that hobby as a child? Or? No. Like, I think um, it's probably because I'm not um, a great walker. I have some, like, just issues with my feet. Mm-hmm. And I like getting out into the great outdoors and bird watching is just something you can do and enjoy without feeling like you have to kind of get from A to B. Mm. Is there any 
particular bird that you were so excited about seeing? Anything? Yes, um, there was. Uh, I was actually at Howard Springs um, near Darwin and I saw a rainbow pitta. Um, that was very exciting. Would be, yeah. mm. I don't think people realise how exciting it can be. You know? Oh, it's like it's just incredible. You know, to, to see like is incredible, but if you can get a fantastic photo, like even more so. But last year when I was in the US for the Freedom Socialist Party convention, I went to the Olympic Peninsula uh, a few da- for a few days after the convention and I got this amazing photo of an American dipper, which is this, you know, like little whiz around, um, tiny little bird. Mm. And like Mm. I got like fantastic photos of it. And like I was very proud of that one too. As you're nearing retirement age, Mm. I mean, work-wise, not politically, Mm. that'll go until you die. Have you ever thought of having an exhibition of your better photos? No, my my exhibition's just sticking them on Facebook, Facebook I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. reckon you should think about it. Yeah, yeah. You should think about it. Now, going back to the Freedom Socialist Party, what have you got planned? And we, you, the yeah. party, got we? planned. We? Well, um, we have a, a couple of things that I would particularly like to mention, or three, actually. We've got a study group at the moment uh, where we are studying um, Lenin's imperialism, the highest stage of capitalism. And I will be heading off from the studio to our study group this evening. So everyone's welcome. Solidarity Salon. We're at 580 Sydney Road, Brunswick. So come on down at 6.30 if you'd like to talk about imperialism. And then... On Thursday, the 9th of March, Freedom Socialist Party is teaming up with Radical Women to host an International Women's Day meeting where we are going to be discussing intersectionality. Mm. And uh, I think that that is going to be a really good one, looking at all those um, connections of sex, gender, uh, sexuality, race, class, what disability, what it is that ties all these uh, things together. Mm. So uh, that uh, is also at Solidarity Salon. Uh, dinner at 6.30 and the discussion kicks off at 7, so that's on the 9th of March. And the last thing I want to tell people about, we are going to be hosting a very exciting international visitor in April and May, uh, Nancy Rico Carto is a leader of the Freedom Socialist Party who lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. She's Japanese American, a unionist, a lesbian feminist, and uh, she wrote an amazing article in the current Freedom Socialist talking about her family's experiences of being interned uh, as Japanese-Americans uh, during World War Two, and is really drawing the lessons from that in t- terms of saying never again uh, can that 
happen and really looking at the the, Isla- now, the Islamophobia yeah. and what's yeah. happening now. So Nancy's yeah. going to be here for three weeks. We're going to have a reception to welcome her and we'll be hosting a forum mm. as well. So look out for that one. And apart from... Uh Again, from Kimberley to the Broom later on in the year. Have you got any other plans for yourself over the next few years? No. Just no. Keep, keep, keep on... <laughs> no keep, plans. Keep on keeping on, keep on organising. Like, I think that the, the, the main plan is um, that where working people um, are in struggle, mm. um, we will be there. Have you got any parting thoughts for any young people listening to this program? The main parting thought is that there is no better joy in life than to be an activist, to be a revolutionary, to be a change agent, because so many people uh, sit on the couch and yell at the television or maybe write a few you know, angry words on their Facebook pages. But, like, it takes more than that to create the sort of world that we deserve. So what you're saying is if you're part of the Gunner tribe, leave it. And if you're part of somebody should do something about that tribe, leave it and join another tribe that's actually doing something. Join Join a, yes, we can, collectively, we can do it. And we are the people we've been waiting for. We are indeed the people we've been, like, we've been waiting for. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Alison Fawn, for coming on Radical Australia. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Hopefully you'll, you'll, uh, your life will continue as it is and um, flourish, and I'm sure it will because you're an excellent uh, human being, and I'd like to congratulate you on all the things you've done in life. I mean, I don't think many people could actually uh, do all the things you've done, and uh, congratulations, and uh, it's an honour to have you here in the studio. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Dale. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed The poor stay poor, the rich get rich That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows that the boat is leaking Everybody knows you've been discreet. But-